This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking yakisoba. Woohoo! You want to peel back the curtain and explain what just happened to the people? The people love yeah. a, a peek behind the curtain. The people love it when we when we reveal the great and all powerful Oz. So what just happened is we just recorded this. <laughs> no, episode. we didn't. <laughs> we just didn't record twenty five minutes of what we thought was this episode, but we had not hit the record button. So we are doing take that two. Was, that was so generous of you to say we had not hit the record button since it is strictly my job to oh, do that. Oh, Matthew, we're a team. Yeah. We're a team. I, I think we're going to be so much funnier this time around. It's all for the best. And we're going to we, be tight. We're going to be thick, like like the thickest uh, frozen noodles. Uh, like it's. All good. It's great. And we have a special guest today uh, who we will reveal momentarily. Yes. Mm-hmm. And who all has, right. who's patient enough with us to stick around and, uh, and say all of this again. Yes. Uh, yeah. Last last time, she it was her first appearance on Spilled Milk. And now, uh, 26 minutes later, it will be her second appearance. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. So, so- uh Let's go. Let's go down memory lane. We're just gonna. We're just gonna like zoom down memory lane, like uh, like in a rented Ferrari. I'll go first. Go first. And and I'm gonna begin by just for the listeners who have never had yakisoba, I can say that it's a Japanese stir fried noodle dish, usually with pork, cabbage, and onions. Although there are lots of variations, and it's flavored with a sweet fruity sauce that's similar to tonkatsu sauce. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. So uh, my memory lane is not long. My first and probably second time having yakisoba was with you. When you first took me to Tokyo in 2017, and uh, you took me to your favorite neighborhood place for okonomiyaki called Penguin Village in the Nakano neighborhood of Tokyo. And uh, Penguin Village has these low tables. What are they called, Matthew? These... 
Um, uh, not it, sure. Teppanyaki? Is that it? Oh, teppanyaki is the grill that's on the table. Oh, okay. Okay. So there are these low tables with this grill, this like griddle fitted into them, and you make your okonomiyaki right on the table. Well, as you can imagine, this griddle is also a fantastic place to make stir fried noodles. And so I had my first yakisoba with you at Penguin Village, and it was delicious, except I think you put too much pickled ginger in it. That does sound like something I would do. My first yakisoba experience was at a place on Broadway that's uh, closed years ago. And it's one of these, uh, you know, restaurants that's closed. And, uh, you know, because it no longer exists, it uh, takes on kind of an outsized footprint in your memory lane. It was called uh, Ezo Noodle Cafe. I think, I don't think it even said yakisoba on the English menu. I think it just, it just said uh, like stir fried noodles. Uh, But it was clearly yakisoba in retrospect. And this was, it was a ramen restaurant. But uh, they served yakisoba and it became like my favorite thing on the menu and I would order it all the time. And then I don't know if I really encountered it again until Penguin Village years later. Nice. Okay. So did you would you have said I mean, do you think looking back that the one at Ezo Noodle Cafe was was good in retrospect? I think it was probably pretty good. And and yakisoba is one of those things that is pretty hard to mess up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll go with that. All right. So you want to, unless unless you, someone like me is involved and puts in too much pickled ginger, other than that, if you keep me away from your yakisoba, it's going to be good. Yes. Okay. Well, um, let's bring in our listener who... Um, or our guest, even. Who is a listener? <laughs> who is a listener? <laughs> let's bring in our special guest. <laughs> Matthew, bring her in. <laughs> oh, I'm the special guest? Oh. No, our special guest is longtime listener and writer for our favorite Japanese food website, justonecookbook.com. It's Kayoko Paku. Hirata. Kayoko, welcome to Spilled Milk. Hello, hello. Welcome hello. back to Spilled Milk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are going to have even more fun the second time we say all the same <laughs> things we said the first time. That's right. <laughs> no, no. Uh, let's let's uh, let's stipulate that the first that everything we said the first time is is off limits, and uh, this time it's going to be all lies. Uh, I was thinking that you were going to make us find synonyms for everything that we had said the first time. It's going to be like, Kayoko, I hope that you've got an English language thesaurus near you because you can't use any of the same words again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, this is this is a new special game we play. Yes. All right, Kayoko, did you uh, did you eat yakisoba growing up? And uh, if so, uh, like how often and how was it made? And was it something you would eat at home or at a restaurant or both? Yes. So I grew up eating yakisoba. Um, it was something that my mom would make during the weekend when she didn't feel like cooking. Um, she would use up um, leftover scraps of veggies and protein in the fridge and fill our stomachs up. Yeah, it's it's really that kind of dish. But like for being that kind of like, you know, sloppy Joe sort of dish, it's like incredibly good. I can't believe you just like used the word sloppy Joe anywhere near it. It has nothing to do with sloppy Joe's, Matthew. People are going to be know. people are going to be picturing like noodles with like chunked up saucy beef on top. It's not it's not like sloppy Joe's. But when what, Kyoko, when you were talking about that, like I, what jumped to mind was like, you know, what did my mom make like to, to fill up? Up three hungry kids, um, you know, when uh, when she didn't feel like cooking, it was it was canned sloppy Joe mix. I'm not saying that, that that's good. 
I get it. I get it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Hold on. When I first encountered the word yakisoba, I only knew soba in the context of buckwheat noodles. Can we talk about like the, the word itself? So when people think of soba, they usually think of the grayish uh, buckwheat noodles. But soba actually encompasses all noodles. Um, so the word yaki means cooked and soba is noodles. So yakisoba meaning fried noodles, stir fried noodles. There's also yaki udon, which is fried udon noodles. Um, yeah, prepared that's really similarly good too. the same way as yakisoba, brown sauce, veggies, stir fry. In the case of yakisoba, so the noodles are, they're actually like ramen noodles. It's a wheat flour noodle that's, uh, that's kind of more like yellowish in color. The wheat noodles are, um, they go, kansui is added to the noodles. Um, a chemical reaction occurs to the noodles. So it has a yellowish tint. And and kind of a springy texture, I would say, like 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 ramen noodles, like especially yeah. like fresh ramen noodles that uh, like you know you can boil them and then and then stir fry them, but uh, they they're not going to get mushy unless you like really overboil them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, I think they're a little bit more thicker than ramen noodles, so um, yeah. it it holds up even when stir fried. So let's let's talk about how this dish kind of comes together because like we 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 mentioned sauce, but it's not really a saucy dish. Like how how do you uh, Kayoka when you make yakisoba now like how how do you make it and uh, like what what do you like to put in and like what do you like to garnish it with? So whenever I make yakisoba, I do the same with my mom. Um, it's also I can clean up the fridge for with leftover scraps. Um, yeah. I like adding whatever sturdy vegetables like bell peppers, leeks, scallions. And for protein, um, besides um, sliced meat, I like adding fried tofu, atsurage, frozen seafood mixes, and ground meat. And sometimes um, if I'm feeling fancy, I might add a fried egg on top. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. That sounds that sounds very good. I also love the idea of leeks in there. I hadn't thought about that, but I bet they, you know, they would caramelize a tiny bit. Like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Yeah, I mean, that's like probably my favorite thing about yakisoba is how the, you know, you cook, if you're using sauce, uh, whether you're using sauce or a seasoning packet, it's not, it's not like a wet dish. It, uh, you know, you cook, you cook, cook it down so that uh, the noodles themselves kind of like caramelize a little bit against the pan. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, besides the brown sauce, um, I like um, using fish sauce for a lighter version, um, lime salt. And if I want a little bit of spice, I uh, get a little bit of gochujang, the uh, Korean spicy paste, or oh, dayu, yeah. which is chili oil or shimi, a little bit of shimi on top. Oh, yeah. I will often put homemade, like I, I love making homemade chili oil, and I will often add that like uh, just before serving, kind of toss mm-hmm. that with the yakisoba. Matthew, what do you usually season yours with at home? So, okay, so the one I make at home is kind of vaguely inspired by this one that we had at Penguin Village, which was called their barbecue yakisoba. Like, basically, like, I, I think about Penguin Village pretty much every day. It's... Uh, <laughs> Um, it's, it's the restaurant where, and I know we've told this story on the show before, after, after we ate there the first time, I wrote about them in my book, Pretty Good Number One, and I described, uh, one of the, uh, owners as looking like a Japanese Patrick Swayze, which is true. And then we went back after my book had been translated into Japanese and, uh, and the, the guy, uh, like called me aside and said, you think I look like Patrick Swayze? And it was kind of insulted by this. And I, to this day, like, I've never been more perplexed by anything than how someone could be insulted by being compared to Patrick Swayze. (laughs) 
Oh, so yeah. So we were talking about food. That's right. <laughs> so they have this dish on the menu called barbecue yakisoba, where the um, the meat is is like ground beef or, or ground pork, and uh, and then the sauce, rather than being like the tonkatsu style sauce, is more like yakiniku sauce. So like um, sugar, uh, mirin, uh, soy sauce, and uh, maybe maybe sake also. So uh, it uh, it doesn't have that kind of fruitiness to it, but it still it still has the sweetness and it like cooks down and caramelizes really well because of the sugar. So that's how I do it at home. Often, not always ground meat. Sometimes no meat. Sometimes uh, sliced pork belly. Whatever I've got. I um I have been making mine seasoned with um, soy sauce and mirin in, in equal parts, and then a good spoonful of chili crisp. I, I don't love the the sweetness of of that one that I had at Penguin Village, and mm-hmm. I, I wanted one that um, yeah that didn't have as much sweetness. So this one um, that I've been making with soy sauce and mirin and chili crisp is like just right for me. I love it, and I usually use bacon in mine. I'll like start out by cooking some chopped bacon, and then use the the bacon fat um, or at least some of it to cook the vegetables and the noodles too. And so I think mm. that the, the kind of smoky flavor of that with the soy sauce and mirin and chili crisp it like really does it do you do any top either of you do you do any toppings or garnishes i don't like the the red pickled ginger uh benishoga i find it a little bit too sweet and a little bit artificial flavoring and uh, i end up never using up the package that i bought at the supermarket <laughs> sure i put a lot of aonori which is uh seaweed flake which mostly most of it sticks to your teeth anyways and bonito flakes as well yeah i feel like it's it's those two garnishes that like really give it like a japanese flavor to me like as opposed to like i i assume it probably derives from a chinese stir-fried noodle dish kayoko do you know yes so i was i looked up the history of um yakisoba and actually it's from chow mein which is a chinese stir-fried um noodle stir-fried um, the difference between chow mein noodles and yakisoba noodles is that chow mein noodles have egg in it, and uh, it has a distinctively yellow color to it. The origins of yakisoba is from chow mein. Um, it was brought to Japan in the post-war period, most likely from soldiers and uh, families who were living in northern China when Japan occupied uh, northern China during the uh, during the war, and brought over by the returnees who felt nostalgic of the food there. So yakisoba, I guess people think of it is Japanese, and uh, maybe it fits in the category of chukaryori, which is the Japanese Chinese cuisine. But most people associate it as Japanese food. So it's not it's not a dish that goes back like a hundred years in Japan. It's relatively new to Japan, right? I almost wonder if the one if the version that I make uh, maybe tastes more like a like lo mein because I don't usually put any garnishes on top. I can absolutely see how if I were to put aonori or bonito flakes or the pickled ginger on top, it, it would turn it like more toward Japan. Yeah. So Kayoko, like we've noticed that typically you will get yakisoba like at an okonomiyaki restaurant where there's already like a uh, a teppanyaki grill on the table. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, those are both foods that are served at Japanese festivals. And so they're mm-hmm. kind of thought of together. Are there restaurants that specialize in yakisoba or is it only something that is that is sort of like a side dish at a restaurant that does something else? There's been a yakisoba um, boom here. Um, in Tokyo and other places as well. 
There's a lot of yakisoba specialty shops that have opened up. So there are some that are very high-end, um, uses really high-quality ingredients. And there's also low-end, um, very old-school, nostalgic yakisoba shops as well. Wow. I didn't know this at all before before you mentioned it. And I really hope, I hope this boom is still going on the next time <laughs> we're allowed to go to Tokyo. Most likely, yeah. It should be around. Are there regional differences in yakisoba? This is something that like, I have never really thought about until until you said you should put regional differences on the agenda. That's another peek behind the curtain. Like, uh, I, I think of it as, as always being kind of cut from a similar cloth, but are like, you know, there's lots of regional regional dishes in Japan. Is yakisoba one of them? Yes, um, there's a lot of regional differences from northern Japan up to the south. Each region, it seems like, has their own distinctive way of preparing it, whether they source local ingredients, how it's cooked and served, um, toppings. Like there was one that has that would have a side of curry, curry <laughs> or like mapo tofu or somewhere in soup and the noodles. Some of, some of the noodles were really thin and some were really thick. Hmm. You know what? I, I realize now, actually, I did not actually eat this regional variation. But one time when I was in Tokyo, I took the train out to uh, Higashi Murayama, which is uh, like way like out on kind of the western fringe of Tokyo. Oh, the Tokyo City, it's not even quite the western fringe, but it's way out to the west. And it's like a small, small town. And uh, but still within the city of Tokyo, because that's how Tokyo rolls. I was going to this tea shop and I, uh, I got some tea and I talked to the nice people who owned the tea shop. The guy who owned the tea shop, the uh, like the the pop of the mom and pop was like, oh, you know, while you're in you're in Higashi Murayama, you should try some of our local foods, including our local yakisoba, which I believe was called Higashi Murayama Kuro Yakisoba. So black yakisoba. So and he like had a magazine about like like you know stuff you should do when you're in Higashi Murayama, <laughs> um, and uh, and I think it was made with squid ink and like like a spice blend, mm. and mm. I did not get to try it. Although after I had tea at the tea place, um, the uh, the guy insisted on walking me the twenty minutes back to the train station and checked on the way to see if one of the Kuroyaki Soba places was open so we could try it. But it was like nine fifteen in the morning, so of course it wasn't. <laughs> That is delightful. Yeah. Next time. I see this thing on the menu. On the menu. Wow, I wish there were a menu in front of me. (laughs) I see this thing on the agenda, yakisoba pan. What is that? Yes. For people who love carbs, um, yakisoba pan is yakisoba basically looks like a hot dog bun. So um, it's a pretty popular uh, offering at Japanese bakeries, maybe in the States as well. You know, it's very cheap. It fills you up because of the double carbs. So is it is it yakisoba in like a bun? Yes. Amazing. So portable yakisoba. Wow. I've had it. It's very good. (laughs) I can't it like it doesn't seem like something that I would be drawn to. But I don't know why, because I love yakisoba. The next time I run across one, I will buy it. Yeah, I think they might sell it at Uwajimaya, actually. Really? Oh. Maybe. Oh, this is exciting. What about omusoba? What's that? Omusoba, you, um, I think this is more of an offering that you would see at um, okonomiyaki places. But it's egg crepe um, omelet over yakisoba. Ah. Oh, that sounds good. Nice. I once had pod thai served that way, which was very tasty. Hmm. That sounds delicious. I mean, is there anything you could wrap in an omelet that wouldn't be good? No. 
Well, uh, we can come up with something here. Next week, we're doing M&M's is our episode. (laughs) So maybe not that. Maybe not that. Maybe not a donut from Mr. Donut. I don't think I want a donut inside uh, inside, inside an, an omelet. omelet. Probably not. Oh, speaking of Mr. Donut, uh, <laughs> Kyoko, like uh, right now, it's uh, it's my favorite season in Japan. Even though I've never been to Japan in late January, early February, and it's the it's the time of year when Mr. Donut releases its special Valentine's Day chocolate donut <laughs> series. So uh, if you happen to get to a Mr. Donut and want to try the Pierre Marcolini branded chocolate donut series for us, we would love to hear about it i will definitely check it out but yeah tokyo is a nice it's a nice time of year to visit tokyo it's dry it's not that cold and it's it doesn't rain that much oh i would love to be there yeah we're we're lonely (laughs) (laughs) can we can we please come visit yeah you know we should mention that the three of us uh have actually met in person before yes back in 2017 we all had fruit parfaits at takano together right is that where we were yeah and we should do it again sometime i think we'll be able to someday someday Kayoko, anything else about yakisoba that we didn't get to that, that you feel like uh, we left out? Um, if I can plug Just One Cookbook. Yes, please. Yeah, I'm a writer for Just One Cookbook. It's a it's a very big recipe site that specializes in Japanese home cooking. Um, it's operated by Nami and her husband, Mr. JOC. And she has a bunch of recipes for yakisoba as well as yakisoba pan. And she also has a video of how to make yakisoba. So if readers would be interested in checking out her videos and her recipes, we would appreciate it very much. Yeah, we will link to that in the show notes for sure. You know, Molly and I, like we've said this over and over and it remains true and will always be true. Anytime we want to know how to make a, uh, a Japanese dish, we always go to Just One Cookbook. It's always our first and only stop. There's always an easy recipe there that comes out great. I co-sign on all of that. <laughs> all right. Well, Kayoko, thank you so much for joining us on Spilled Milk. It was a pleasure and we must do it again. Thank you so much for having me. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, Matthew, it's time for some segments. Yes. It sounds like uh, it's time to cut open a citrus fruit. Yeah. I've been I've been eating some orange. This is our this is our citrus segment <laughs> segment. It's a new segment that's debuting right now. 
Um, uh, wife of the show, Lori, got a bag of uh, oranges from Trader Joe's, and uh, we were surprised um, that uh, they were not seedless oranges. They were God. seedful oranges. That but, is so distressing. I hate that. But you know what? You, you've seen me eat oranges, right? It's it's mm. it's like absolutely revolting. No, I, I have this way I of have. eating oranges that means it doesn't matter whether there are seeds because I'm going to spit most of it out anyway. I cut the <laughs> orange into wedges. <laughs> And then I like put the wedge in my mouth and kind of suck some of the juice out and then and then put it in the compost. So you don't eat any of the 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 solids. No. Are you serious? You're a monster. Well, okay, but think about it this way. If I took that orange and made fresh squeezed orange juice with it, would I be a monster? Because I'm just doing that segment by segment. I don't like our citrus segment segment. <laughs> All right. This segment's <laughs> never going to happen again. It's a one-time okay. segment. Okay. That's, uh, that's, why this, that's one of many reasons this episode is going to be a collector's item. Do we have any spilled mail today? Oh, thanks for using the name of the segment. Uh, no, we don't. Oh, cool. Okay. I don't have anything for my quilting segment, but I, I'm thinking that... The past couple nights, Ash and I have been, like, too tired to even, like, watch a show at night. We've, like, just gotten into bed and sort of, like, stared into space. But I'm thinking that tonight we might watch a show. And if we watch a show, I think I might be able to finish the the hand quilting of my quilt. And then I move on to the last step, which is the worst step, which is sewing on the binding. Why is that the the worst? Because it's tedious or difficult or... I've, Dangerous. The, I've only done it once before because this is only my second quilt, but it's a little, the way that I did it the first time worked really well, but it was sort of nerve wracking because, uh, because of uh, the way that I, I had to sort of like make things line up and then the way that you fold the corners to make the, like to make them really beautiful and crisp, like as you Love crisp corners. We did a whole we did a whole episode about it. Crusty corners. We did. Anyway, uh, I'll report back when I'm working on the binding. And also, I should say that the last time I made a quilt has gone down in in history within our household because when I was so I, I when I'm stitching on the binding I machine stitch one side of it and then fold it to the back of the quilt and then hand stitch the second side of the binding. I know this yep, makes I and everyone else knows exactly what you're talking yeah, about I know, you and don't can know visualize what, I'm talking about. what you're what you're saying but perfectly. But anyway, I stabbed myself with the like the, the non-pointy end of the needle so hard that when I pulled my hand back, like recoiled in terror, <laughs> it came it was like in my hand. Ah! And, uh, yeah. Isn't isn't this what a thimble is designed to avoid? So here is what I what I I learned. Yeah. So uh this was before I owned a thimble. And now now I own thimbles, multiple thimbles. So I'm really just hoping to get through the binding process without putting the wrong end of a needle in my finger. And I, yeah. I think I've got the goods to help me do that. I feel like if that happened to me, I would just walk around wearing 10 thimbles thereafter. Just for, like, no matter what you were doing. No matter what I'm doing. It was horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I also don't have any Animal Crossing updates. Do you have any cute animals? I do.
So uh, we've been watching, uh, so Jeopardy, uh, Alex Trebek's final episode aired a few weeks ago. And uh, the first guest host of Jeopardy is uh, Jeopardy champion Ken Jennings. And uh, so we've been watching uh, his episodes. That The fact that Ken Jennings is on has nothing to do with this. There was a... Uh, wow, you, uh, I was going to say, your voice suddenly sort of like took a turn. Like, I, I feel like you're you have an opinion about Ken Jennings. Um, I don't think he's great. Okay. Okay. You heard that's it here what, that's first. That's my opinion. Another I mean, as, as fiery a, rant from Matthew. Well, that makes it sound like I don't think he's a great Jeopardy player. Clearly he's a great Jeopardy player as a, as a host and like a, as a personality, maybe not perfect. You know who um, they should have hired to be the host? Yeah. Uh, the husband wife duo of Matthew Amsterburton and Lori Amsterburton. Oh, Seattle's first family of Jeopardy. Seattle's first family of Jeopardy. I mean, what were they thinking? The two of you together? Like an un- unstoppable. Unstoppable duo. You guys are a force. Yes, we would have we would have rolled over all the contestants. Lori <laughs> <laughs> Lori would read the clue and I'd be like, I can answer that. And she'd be like, You're not playing. You're the host. Okay. That's why that's why they didn't hire us. So there was a category called Earth at Night, which featured many cute animals. Uh, <gasps> and we're gonna link to you can watch the whole category on YouTube. But two of the animals featured were a baby python climbing a tree. I think it was a python, it might have been another kind of snake. And it was and, cute? Oh yeah, very cute. And spectral tarsiers, which is like a little primate, oh, wait, hold on. I've got, I think. I've got it right here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wildebeests. They've got wildebeests. Oh, yep. wait. Oh, uh, hold on. Oh, God. What's the... Oh, there's an owl. Oh! <gasps> there's an owl. Yeah. Well, this oh, was God, this I... was a real a real smor- smorgasbord <laughs> of cute animals. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best word. Oh, God. This is so exciting. I'm just scrolling through. The baby python is not one of the cuter ones. I'll be honest. It's terrifying. But the... I, thought it, I thought it was pretty... I don't know if it's cute, but it was pretty cool. Okay, the owl, though, you see it kind of scamper across the ground, and that's pretty cute. Yep. Did you get to the spectral tarsiers yet? This is probably our most popular segment, don't you think? Yeah. um, I've been getting some Instagram DMs from people. At first, I got one from somebody who... (laughs) <laughs> like just wrote cute animals and like in, like forwarded me a video and I was like what oh the that's heck great is, I was like what the heck is this about and I deleted it because it, <laughs> didn't, it didn't occur to me that it had to do with this segment I'm so sorry whoever you were if I didn't reply to you it's because I just didn't make the connection do you remember what the cute animal was or was I didn't it like, even oh, look at the video I was like right. what is this weird random DM. But then somebody did send me a DM, and by that point, I was um, I, I was conscious, and, <laughs> and I was I was able to um, to understand what was happening, and I forwarded it on to you. And I'm not going to say what it is in case we wind up using it in a future segment. And I don't remember. I don't. Either that's what I was trying to avoid. <laughs> okay, oh, great. I so I think I think the chances of this cute animal appearing in a oh. future segment are zero. Because... Oh my god! Wait, Matthew, I see the 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 spectral tarsier thing. It looks like um, it looks like the thing from um Gremlins. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it looks like it looks like a mogwai. Oh, it pulls on its own ears. And it pulls on its ears like to hear better at night or oh, something. Oh god, it was so cute. It hurts. Yes. Oh God! Yeah, but do not feed it after midnight. Will it turn into um, a pumpkin or a? No, it'll turn into a gremlin. Oh, I haven't actually seen the movie. I, 
Yeah, I, I I have seen the movie, but it was a very long time ago. And also, I read the novelization of the, the movie Gremlins <laughs> and like, before I saw the movie. Wow, Matthew, that is an A-plus nerd move, and yeah. I love it. Well, like, I was at someone's house, and like the and this Gremlins book was sitting out, so I'm like, oh, it's, hey, it's a book. So you were that kid who would like go over to play at somebody's house, and you would just like hole up with a book and ignore your friend? Yeah, I think I was. The way you say that, it seems like you never did that. No, I was the kid who would sort of like call my parents to come get me early. Oh, I would for sure do that also. And I'd be like, do you have any more snacks? Um, okay. All right. Go cook dinner for your family. I, uh, I'm going to go eat dinner with my family. You can find us online at SpilledMilkPodcast.com, Facebook.com slash SpilledMilkPodcast. No, wait a minute. We're uh, not there anymore. Oh, no, we're not there anymore. Wow. Taping the show, like, we're, we're having, having a guest throws me off. Like, taping the show at 6 p.m., you know, I think, I think maybe the reason I said that is because I'm a time traveler from the past. You are. But you know where we are? We're on Reddit. We're on Reddit. Reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Yep. She's going to cut out that thing I said about Facebook. hate us. Yeah. I don't know what's going on anymore. Thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. Oh, let me look at the agenda. The show that's commonly found at festivals, okonomiyaki restaurants, and in home kitchens. I mean, that's that's true. Except for I don't know. If, I don't know if we're found at a lot of festivals. Uh, but... we are, we're sometimes found eating in okonomiyaki restaurants. Wow! Whenever I say that, the word goes on so much longer than I expect, <laughs> and I'm like still pronouncing it, even as I mean, my brain has moved on to the next thing. I think it would be fair to say that it's it's kind of a fun word in Japanese as well as English. I'm Matthew Amster Burton, and I'm Molly Weisenberg. Oh my God, hang on, stop. I did not start the recording. None of this was recorded. All right, it's always better the second time. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.